Welcome back. A long-awaited break and return of the NP Dude. This is Jeff, the NP Dude. This is episode number 151. It's been a while, guys. I apologize. It's been crazy, and I got a lot of stuff going on in my personal life. More than usual, at some point, once everything breaks free, I will explain everything and explain my personal situation. Um, nothing bad. It's all good stuff. It's just uh, very time-consuming, and it's, uh, you know, it's fun. But I miss you guys. I miss talking to you guys. And some, you know, the comments have still been coming. The, the, the Facebook likes, I don't even know. We're at like th- almost 3,200. So even without me putting out a show in two and a half months, it's been um, still growing. And so you guys are still doing the job. You guys are telling your friends, keeping, the, keeping it going. And I do appreciate it. It's not that I don't care about you guys. It's just I'm so busy. At the end of the day, I just don't have another minute. I really don't. What are we going to talk about today? I... Um, you know, to, to come back to the show, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, I need something explosive and big. And I, you know, I keep trying to come up with a great topic to jump back in. And every time I do, it's like, ah, oh, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And so I'm jumping back in anyways. And I saw one, it spurred my memory on some, some things. And I thought it was a great topic. And I thought, you know, based on some of the contract questions on Facebook, it would be very appropriate. And I am not on Facebook much at all anymore, guys. So if you guys have a question and you PM me, I'll get to you. But if you post it, I, I try not to read that much on Facebook. I just don't have time. Again, it's not that I don't like you guys. I love you guys. You guys are great. I just can't get there. I'm not there fast enough. Um, the topic I want to talk about today, just briefly touch on it. And, and I know I've mentioned in the past uh, Ian Lane's podcast you know, he's the, the, the clinical um, appraisal podcast and how he tears a, a research apart. And he's kind of, we've all, all the podcasts have tapered off. We all have gotten very busy. And so I think that's part of the, the issue there too, is we're just busy. But one of the shows he did was on the Dunning-Kruger effect. And one of my buddies who's a PhD in local university teaches, posted a meme on Facebook. <laughs> and I just thought it was so stinking funny. And it says... The Dunning-Kruger uh, disease has taken effect in all, or has, has uh, hit all 50 states or something like that. And, and I'm sure it's re- in relation to, you know, immunizations and all the other stuff that's out there and bad science that's being used over and over again by lay people just because they, they don't understand what they're doing. And so for those of you that don't understand what the Dunning-Kruger effect, most of you probably are well aware of what it is. It's a psychological study that was done that proves that the less, and I'm going to oversimplify it, so if somebody's got more information, I don't care. You can tell me, I don't care. But the, the basis of it is that the less information you know about it, the stronger their opinion is of the results of whatever it is they're trying to purport. And so if you don't know anything about immunizations, you see people on Facebook saying, oh, those kill people, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And we know that's not true. We do. Now, I still believe that there's always some background of who has to gain from this. And that's just my nature is, you know, if, if somebody's pushing something so very hard, the part of me is always going to be like, okay, who's making money off of this? Because somebody at some level is greasing the wheels to make this maybe overblown, maybe a little scarier than it is. But you know, it's hard to debate immunizations. I mean, we don't have polio for crying out loud, Right. And I don't think my view on that has changed much over the years. I just, I, I'm a fan of, of vaccines. I just always question, is this really, really as safe as we think it could be? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I think that like the flu vaccines have gotten safer over the years. And some of the immunizations have gotten rid of some of the garbage that was in them. So those are, those are some of the things. Now, um, the Dunning-Kruger effect as applied to attorney healthcare 
<laughs> so I'm cruising through the Facebook posts real quick. I'm trying to get to sleep. So I'll cruise through for a couple minutes before bed, you know, and I know it's not good sleep habits, but you know, that do it anyways and try to see if there's anything I could catch and jump in. And I see somebody say contracts uh, that have non-competes aren't enforceable at all or something really just atrociously wrong absolutely wrong and it was in an Ohio situation so if this person listens to the show I'm not picking on you it's just Dunning-Kruger effect they were you know I have I have experience in this was in the, the post yeah I mean, you, you can't enforce a non-compete in Ohio but you better damn well change that attitude because they are enforceable now it kind of goes to bear again and again because I hear people that say non-competes aren't enforceable or what's a reasonable non-compete and all that good stuff. So I'm going to do some non-compete stuff again because people are still asking this question and I can't post it enough to my page. I've done it probably three or four times, but I think it's time to do it again because of the Dunning-Kruger effect. My response to that individual was something along the lines of this. I appreciate that you, you have knowledge in this um, and I'm sure that your situation, that was the case. However, as an attorney in Ohio, having taken employment law courses in Ohio, having taken continuing educations in employment law in Ohio, and having having read hundreds of non-competes and helped dozens of people get out of sticky situations, I can I can assure you that most often a non-compete is is enforceable across the country. Now, California, I've heard Illinois now has some weird rules. I'm not up on Illinois. Don't, it's not my, my area of, of expertise in Illinois. So I'm not going to tell you anything about Illinois. But I know that there are some states, a very, very small minority, less than you know three or four, that, that find that non-competes are unenforceable. However, again, you still have to sue to get there. So it's a moot point. If your non-compete says you can't work for a year and it's 150 miles and it's completely unreasonable you you're you're better off in my opinion negotiating that out in the first instance so you you want to you want to live with the terms that you you agree to because it's too much of a fight later you're you're out of work now you got to pay a couple you know I don't know 10,000 15,000 to get a lawsuit started to sue a company to get a non-compete revoked and it's really, really difficult in most jurisdictions. Here's the two types of tests that are used to determine whether a non-compete is unreasonable. There's no invalid word used in the, in the law. It's unreasonable is the word that's used. So it's a reasonableness test. Is the restriction reasonable for the time, the place, the geographic location, and the scope, those are the three tests you look at with every non-compete. The distance, the time, and the scope. And I changed the order, but you get the picture. Same thing over and over again. And you, when you're negotiating, can can flip some of those. So we'll get into the reasonableness testing here. I think it's a good point to talk about now. And I'm jumping all over the place because I haven't done a podcast in like two and a half months. When you are negotiating a non-compete, because somebody tagged me and said, how do you get out of this? And I thought it was a good point. Somebody I went to school with actually tagged me on this. The, the way you do it, my recommendation is the most successful way to do it is to ask the other party what they're worried about. 
What's your concern? I use that a lot during negotiations, especially when I'm trying to get unreasonable things or things I find to be unreasonable removed from a contract or at least de- you know decreased in, in scope of what it really does to you. What are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about you taking all my patients. Okay, well, then, you know, let's do a non-solicitation agreement. That's not a non-compete. And we'll take your patience. Promise. Shake hands on it. Done. Here, all right, I'll sign on the dotted line. There's no need for a non-compete. You mean you, you don't want me to work anywhere? Are you that afraid of me to steal all your business? No. Okay, well, then let's take that out. If you're really worried about just me taking your clients, just put in a non-solicitation. I'm not going to take your clients. I don't care. I don't, that's fine. I'll build a new practice somewhere else. I'll do it again. It's fine. So that's one option is to do to eliminate it down. Okay. The other thing is is if they say no, we're not going to remove it. This is we do this for everybody. Well, you know, I don't care. Put a provision in the contract that says that I can't disclose what's in my contract. So I cannot tell anybody what we put in the agreement, and so therefore, that's a moot point. Okay. All right. We'll change it. Okay. See how you can kind of move things around a little bit. The other thing you could do too, is you can play the three different prongs of the non-compete against each other. So say they have a very large distance, say, you know, 50 miles, that's pretty big, right? So what's, what's a big radius? It depends. It really depends. And everybody says, Oh, well, I got a five mile radius and I wouldn't say anything more than 5.2 miles. Well, that's in your geographic area. But if you live in rural Kansas, hundred miles might not mean that much. So it really depends. It really, really does depend on the reasonableness of that that geographic location, where you're working, what your scope is, where, what the time frame. It's all very specific to that instance. So there's no standard, quote unquote. And the people that say standard, you know, non-compete are just full of crap. They don't know what they're talking about. Dunning Kruger. So what I do is I'll play the distance versus the time versus the scope. And I often can get the scope down pretty quickly because usually if it's, you know, if you're working in a family practice and you say, I'm not going to go work in a family practice, then at least you've eliminated that. You can still go work in dermatology or oncology or, or any kind of ology you want. That's not family practice. And that might be a good option. So that might not be a bad way to go. So if you eliminate the scope, then maybe the distance and the time doesn't really matter so much. Because, you know, I'm going to go work in this family practice and it's a 30 mile radius. That's pretty big. And it's, a, you know, one year or one in, you know two years. That's pretty long. Two years is kind of long. But say you agree to that. Well, you know what? At least I could still get a job in something else. That's the question you as the, the contractee, actually you're the contractor, not, not a technical contractor, but that's the way we talk about it in legal terms. The person that is entering into the agreement. Sorry is that, that um, you know, you have to ask yourself, can I live with these terms? Because the fight on the back end, regardless if it's found to be unreasonable or not, is too hard. Now, unreasonableness, what are we talking about? Unreasonableness is the standard. And it's as different as the court is, the number of courts that are out there. So if one judge says, I find this to be unreasonable, then they do one of two things in most jurisdictions. Okay, those very small minorities, they just strike the whole non-compete and then you can go compete, all right? But that's, that's, a, that's a rarity. So when you see people from California, New York, or Illinois, those are always the weirdo um, laws. They're always kind of contrary of what the majority of the states are. So usually the minority rules, but not, not always, but a lot of times. But what, what, they, what are the, the real states do? The other states, not real states, you know what I mean. California, you're a real state. We were just there <laughs> last summer. We love California. The, the point here is that if you, 
if you follow in one of the other courts, the, the majority courts, they'll do one of two tests. And it's about split 50-50 on this. Half of the states will do what's called the red, red pencil test or red pencil... Um, uh, it's not really a test, but that's what they call it. It's the red pencil application of the law. And then there's the blue pencil application of the law. Ohio is a blue pencil test. I think I always get this wrong. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you're not going to go to court on this. Is it Ohio does blue test? We do blue pencil test. We do blue pencil test. Uh, where, where you go and you cross out the provision that's unreasonable and they rewrite it. So some random judge that doesn't know anything about necessarily being a nurse practitioner or healthcare provider is going to rewrite your contract for you. That's a scary place for me. So even if it's unreasonable, many states will either cross out just that, that portion that's unreasonable. So they may say, you know what, we're going to cross out that you can't work as a nurse practitioner within 30 miles for one year. And they say, you know what, we find it unreasonable that it's 30 miles. Okay, well then you can work anywhere. So that kind of negates the whole provision, right? So it kind of kills it. So I mean, I, I, I concede that. But they might say, no, we, we're going to use the blue pencil test and we're going to say three, 30 miles, that's too broad. We're going to make it go down to 22 miles. We think that's reasonable. Well, who's, it's a completely subject, subjective, subjective thing. It's not a good place to be. I don't like it. So I like to prepare people up front that if you can't live with the terms of your non-compete when you sign that agreement, you try your best to get it out of it. I, I agree. And everybody's right on that. Don't sign it if you can avoid it. I agree. Don't sign it. Why would you sign a restriction? But in reality, most of them have them nowadays. Most of them recognize the fact that we are good at what we do and that people will want to come with us. Okay? They're, they're concerned that you're going to take that knowledge, training, and skill and compete against them. And there is a policy reason for that. There is a protection to the public. And I'm okay with that. But it has to be reasonable, and that's what I try to do as an attorney to help my clients is to come up with what's reasonable and get it knocked down. And if it is unreasonable, and, and I educate my client that if you can't get to an employer in the next year, then I wouldn't sign it. Because if that company goes out of business, despite the fact that um, that non-competes there, you know, that non-compete still persists. Most of the time, it depends. Depends on the wording. So even if it's not with good good intentions, you can still be locked in. You got to be really careful of the wording. Dunning Kruger. Don't be a Dunning Kruger. <laughs> if you don't know what you're talking about, you got a zippy lip. And I, you know, there's things on Facebook where I'm like, man, I really know something about that. And then somebody starts talking, like, no, I don't. And I'm glad I didn't say anything <laughs> because we don't all know it all. We can't. And if somebody thinks I'm full of crap on something, I expect you to tell me I'm full of crap. So you can email me, jeff at the npdude.com. What can you guys do to help support the show? I didn't do it at the beginning. I shook it up a little bit. Okay, what can you guys do? You guys can go to my website, the npdude.com. You go to the Amazon banner. You click on the banner. You do your purchasing on Amazon that you otherwise would have. It doesn't cost you a single penny more. I really do promise you. It doesn't. You can check it before and after. But once you click on my link, it gives me credit for your purchase, and I get a small percentage. I'm still getting a couple purchases here and there, and I really do appreciate that, guys. You know, after I do the web hosting and everything else, I'm breaking even right now. So I, I need you guys to help with that. If you guys want to keep this show going, I got to hear from you. I also want to know what you guys have bugging you. I, I, it's been a while. I've been tagging on a couple things, but... I want, to, I want to hear what's going on with you guys. Um, 
let's see what else what else can you do there's a pay there's a paypal donate button if you're feeling inclined you can do that i don't get a lot of donates but you know if you want to throw a couple bucks at me i'll take it i promise i will the other thing you can do as well is if you're in ohio and you would like to have your contract reviewed i am available i usually have about a two to three day turnaround time but it really depends on what's going on in my personal life so if uh you know there's boy scout camps going on in the weekend then uh you know it might have to wait until the monday but uh email me jeff at the npdo.com you can always send me a pm on facebook and i'll be happy to return your return your uh, as a reply there get back to you now what else we want to talk about i had a guy just recently send me a message that says i've got um two jobs and i want to um i want to make sure that i'm not messing things up and that I'm and as far as taxes are concerned and I'm not a tax attorney I'm not an accountant so first and foremost you always go talk to your accountant you talk to your tax attorney but here's what my my recommendation would be to this individual the, the concern is if I have two companies how do I write things off and it's really pretty simple it's you when you do your taxes if you do your own through like TurboTax you'll see it's pretty easy how you understand it all your money goes into one bucket which is income and all your deductions go into a bucket that is for you know things that take away from your income. So it makes it pretty easy. There's a, there's two types of deductions. And accountants, if you're out there, you can correct me. I'll take your advice and your guidance because again, I am just scratching the surface. There's an above the line deduction and a below the line deduction. Okay, Ab- above the line deduction decreases your taxable income. And, and that way you get taxed on less dollars and it might change your tax bracket. So that's how it decreases your tax liability that way. Below the line deduction is stuff like credits. So you get a you know $1,000 credit for this or $2,000 credit for kids or whatever it is now, I can't remember. Those are below. So after you've, gotten, you've, you've figured out what your tax liability is, it's a credit that comes off the taxable dollars. So when you have two organizations that you're working for, it all comes out in the wash. All the buckets money goes in one side and all the other goes in the other side. Now here's the dirty little secret that many people don't realize. They assume that they can write everything off. Well, you might be able to if it's used in the course of your business. Home office, there's very specific guidelines for that. Um, you know, if your kid comes in and you know plays on the computer, then it's not really a home office. If it's used primarily for your work, then it's a home office. And there's guidelines that are through that talk to your accountant. If you have a cell phone and you use it for work, then you might be able to write a big portion of that, if not all of it off, if you use it primarily for work. That's okay, you can write that off. Mileage, wear and tear on your car. If you don't do mileage, you can actually do actual cost of all of your gas and repairs and expenses and things like that. Equipment, you gotta be careful because if you buy it in the course of your business, you might have to do a declining depreciation schedule. And usually you do. You know, double declining or straight line decline. You, know, you, you have to be really careful. You can't just write it off in year one because it's useful life in year two, three, and four. Computers used to be five years. And they're in the 80s and 90s, man. Every, every year they came out with a new computer and the old computers didn't work so good. So it didn't make a lot of sense. So those rules may have changed. I have no idea. I don't do, I don't do declining depreciation. I don't buy anything like that. So the, the key here is if you're going to do your company and you're gonna write things off, you have to be on Johnny on the spot with all your costs, expenses, and be legit, talk to your accountant. Now the dirty little secret is, people assume that they can write all this stuff off. Well maybe, it depends on if you take the standard deduction or not. If you take the standard deduction and you're doing this as an employee that doesn't have an LLC and you don't have a separate company, then what happens is you you typically 
won't have enough expenses in your life. Some people will, so this is why you talk to an accountant, but many people will not have enough expenses that the standard deduction will exceed what you would have gotten if you wrote all your stuff off. So making a decision to do, you know, take a job because you get all these tax write-offs may give you no benefit whatsoever. So talk to your accountant before you make that call and say, oh, I just ran a red light. Sorry, right near the, right near the police station. Whoopsie, whoopsie, whoopsie. So you need to talk to your accountant. You need to make sure that you're making decisions based upon reality with respect to that. Now, if you go and you set up a corporation or an LLC and you get paid in your LLC or your company, then you can have assets in your company name. You still got to depreciate things, but you can you can run things through the company, which gets more deductions because it's not a personal itemized deduction until you pay yourself out of the corporation or the company. It's a little different with, with an LLC if you have passed through and you do a K-1, but you talk to your accountant. That's my, the moral of my story here, guys. So we're coming up on the office. It's good to be back. It's a short one. They're all going to be short from now on, guys, because I just don't have the time to do it. Um, but if you guys have questions, I want to hear from you. Jeff at the, T-H-E-N-P-D-U-D-E dot com. Thanks, and we'll talk soon.